Good morning, good people. My name is Nikki J, and I am your host of Black Girl Budget Podcast, a podcast with over 12,000 downloads and an international audience from Papua New Guinea to the Czech Republic to Ghana. And shout out to Ireland, Morocco, and Portugal for joining that international audience. If you're new here, Black Girl Budget is dedicated to teaching black women, although everyone is welcome, how to become financially stable through the power of budgeting. Financial stability includes paying off debt, investing, negotiating salaries, and more. And it also includes having the ability to enjoy life. At Black Girl Budget, we accomplish our financial goals while enjoying life at the same time. It's Financial Literacy Month, and I have been saying Financial History Month for the last week. If you follow literally any finance influencer on social media, you've probably seen them post about Financial Literacy Month because it's a big deal. But if I'm being honest, I actually had no idea why Financial Literacy Month exists. So I had to look it up. And if you know why it exists, um, don't shame us. Like, just roll with it. (laughs) So this is what I found out. Financial Literacy Month is a national campaign organized by the Jumpstart Coalition to raise awareness about financial literacy and promote financial education. The Jumpstart Coalition and its partner organizations host events and initiatives throughout the month to improve financial literacy in America. So naturally, my question is, what is Jumpstart? (laughs) It's a nonprofit organization in D.C. that was founded in 1995. Its primary purpose is to promote financial literacy curriculums in American schools. I really enjoy history, so I could tell y'all all about the rabbit hole I went down, but I think that's enough information for us to to work with right now. So Financial Literacy Month actually started off as financial uh, Youth Financial Literacy Day, and it was first introduced as the sorry by the National Endowment for Financial Education Organization in 2000. The National Endowment Financial Education Organization handed over the reins to Jumpstart Coalition. So that's how they got involved. Jumpstart then expanded the day into a month and the name involved into Financial Literacy Month. In 2004, the Senate passed a resolution to recognize April as Financial Literacy Month. And yeah, we've had it ever since. So the purpose of Financial Literacy Month is to promote advocate for and support financial literacy efforts across the U.S. And let me just add, because we have an international audience, Canada also recognizes Financial Literacy Month, except they recognize it in November. So shout out to Canada. I believe there are other countries that recognize it too. So if your country recognizes it, just drop me a comment or a DM and let me know. Um, I will include them in the next episode on the podcast. Um, So I also found a research article by Ash Faulkner, titled Financial Literacy Around the World, What We Can Learn from the National Strategies and Context of the Top 10 Most Financially Literate Nations. That was a long title, and I recognize that there are long titles in research papers. (laughs) Um, So anyway, so Faulkner discusses that there really isn't a universal definition for financial literacy and goes on to say that a number of other nations explored in their study have begun to shift their terminology in policy literature and program implementations to financial capability, generally arguing that this term better encompasses the behavioral components necessary to not only understand finances, but to positively impact one's own financial circumstances. 
I am obsessed with that distinction. Financial literacy and financial capability. I Maybe we just need both, right? But like, it's not enough to just understand finances, but to actually impact your own finances in a positive way. It's very easy to impact your finances in a negative way. I'm sure we've all been there. But to do it in a positive way, like, you got to understand what you're doing, what you're talking about, and how it is going to affect you today as well as 5, 10, 20 years from now. So I love that definition. We will see it again later in this episode. <laughs> now, during my research, um, I also found a financial literacy test. And I was really excited when I found this because I just didn't know that one existed. And I never really thought of something like that existing. Um, now, if you're subscribed to the Black Girl Budget newsletter, the newsletter went out um, yesterday and the link to the financial literacy test is in there. So if you click the link that says take the test now, you can take the three question quiz as well as the five question quiz. And then the five question quiz has um, answers in there. So there are technically two quizzes. You can take both. One of my friends actually screenshot me her results and she got 100% on one of the quizzes. So we're actually going to go through the three question quiz and um, I'm going to give you all the answers, but I want to see like how you are able to get through some of these. So I'm going to ask the question and then I'm going to give you all a few seconds to to think about it. First question. Suppose you had $100 in a savings account and the interest rate was 2% per year. After five years, how much do you think you would have in the account if you left the money to grow? I'm going to say it again. Suppose you had $100 in a savings account and the interest rate was 2% per year. After five years, how much do you think you would have in the account if you let the money grow? Our answers are a little vague, so let's go through the answers and then we'll break it down a little bit more. The first answer is you will have more than $102. Answer B is you will have exactly $102. Answer C is you will have less than $102. Answer D, you don't know. And the last answer is that you just refuse to answer this question. So what we also need to know is that you have $100 in savings. Our interest rate is 2%. So we got to do a little math. What is 2% of $100? If you're like me, I, I don't know why my brain operates this way, but I will break this question down even further. So I know 1% of $100 is $1. Therefore, I know that 2% of $100 is $2. So at bare minimum, every year I'm going to get $2 in interest in this savings account. So after five years, if I take my $2, multiply it times my five years, I should have an extra $10 in this account, right? And like, don't even get me started on high yield savings accounts in comparison to savings accounts. Um, but we'll circle back to that in another episode. But anyway, so we should have $10, right? So if we take our $10, add it with our $100, we should have $110. Now let's go back to our answers. A, more than $102? Yes, that's our answer right there. That's it. So I hope y'all were able to figure that out before I just gave y'all all those details. <laughs> because I was supposed to give y'all time to figure it out. So our answer is going to be more than $102. But we had to understand, like, 
How do we incorporate interest rates? Why are they related to savings accounts? And what does it look like after five years? So this question is really testing your ability to understand interest rates, how they work in relation to the money that you have in your account. And it's a savings account, so we're not really concerned about compound interest. Although I guess theoretically that could be something we think of. But even with compound interest, we know that over the course of five years, with the interest rate of 2%, we're going to have more than $102. So this question is really testing your knowledge of really math, right? Basic math, and then also interest rates and how they work. Now let's go down to question number two. It says, imagine that the interest rate on your savings account was 1% per year and inflation was 2% per year. After one year, with the money in this account, would you be able to buy A, more than today, B, exactly the same as today, C, less than today, D, you don't know, and the last one, you refuse to answer the question. So I'm going to ask the question again. Imagine that the interest rate on your savings account was 1% per year and inflation was 2% per year. After one year with the money in this account, would you be able to buy more than today, exactly the same as today, or less than today? The answer is less than today, right? So what they're, what they're really trying to um, touch on here is, again, understanding interest rates. You have to know what inflation is and how inflation works in comparison to the money that you currently have in your account. And then you have to know how inflation affects your buying power and what you can buy today versus yesterday versus tomorrow. So the answer to this one is less than today. And that's a really good question because a lot of people aren't familiar with inflation, um, especially how inflation affects our buying power. So that's a really good question. And then our last question is, do you think the following statement is true or false? So we got a true or false question here. Buying a single company stock usually provides a safer return than a stock mutual fund. True or false? True or false? So in this question, we know that they are touching on a couple of things, but you kind of got to understand the, the full concept of what they're talking about. So before we answer the question, give, you, give yourself a couple of seconds. Is it true or false? Buying a single company stock usually provides a safer return than a stock mutual fund. The answer to this is false. So in this question, they are testing your knowledge on stocks, right? Stocks as well as mutual funds. Um, is it, and then what is considered to be safe, right? Is it safer to only invest in just one single company or should we, dun, 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 diversify is really a word that should come to mind when you hear that question. So that one is talking about stocks, but it's also talking about diversification and a different way to invest besides just one single company. And if you got those answers right, you got three out of three, which is amazing. Now, if you go to the newsletter, there is the link and it does have a five question quiz on there. So be sure to also check that out. Um, like I said earlier, if you're not subscribed to the newsletter, I don't know why, but you can still subscribe on the BGB website at blackgirlbudget.com and you can get access to this month's newsletters. 
So this season, we're in season three of the podcast, by the way. I can't believe it. Um, And this season, we are talking about some of the different tools you need in your financial arsenal. These tools will range from, you know, things that you probably haven't even thought of to things that you probably think of every single day. To set the scene for today's tool, though, I'm going to read a tweet that went viral last month. Uh, and you may have heard of this tweet. So if, if you read this tweet or someone sent it to you, comment and let me know what you thought or, you know, shoot me a DM, let me know what you thought. So a car salesperson in Kentucky tweeted, quote, just sold a 2015 Audi to a 26 year old whose main concerns were paying zero down and having something, quote, better than a Nissan. Monthly payment, $835 and she's hype. APR, 28%, and she didn't even ask. Before y'all get my mentions hot, I tried to tell her just like I try to tell every other person that buys what they want versus what they can afford. This industry has shown me that ego will outweigh common sense. Argue with your board of education. Well, let me just say, the people did not, in fact, go argue with the board of education, and they did, in fact, get her mentions hot. I went through some of the responses to her tweet and several people referred to it as giving payday loan and loan shark vibes. One person from Canada actually said that they own a car dealership and some companies in Canada have rates up to 35% for the APR. Y'all, these numbers are insane. So like I, when I saw 28%, my mouth was a jar on the floor. I, I couldn't even understand how we would get to that kind of number. So let's put this in perspective. Now, if you're new here, you may not know this for my, um, my ride or dies. Y'all know this. I paid my car off in 2019 question mark. Um, that's the year doesn't matter, but I paid it off in 18 months and the interest rate on my car was like 4.5%. This was pre-COVID. So what I'm going to do is to put in perspective, like I'm going to call her our friend, to put in perspective how our friend has a, car, a monthly car payment of $835 with an interest rate of 28%, and she's 26 years old. I'm going to use all the same numbers, but just insert my interest rate, and we're just going to walk through this scenario. So I started off by Googling the average cost of an Audi and with over 300 listings for a 2015 Audi A4, the average price was $22,100, which honestly, that isn't a bad price for an Audi. Um, they can range from like $17,000 to $33,000. And depending on what you get, I'm sure it can go higher than $33,000. So we'll stick with the average um, and I'm going to round up to like $25,000 just to include tax tag and title. Now, we know our friend did not put anything down, but actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I sincerely hope that she doesn't mean that she didn't trade in her Nissan. So I guess she rolled up on the lot with the Nissan and wanted to leave with anything but that Nissan. I hope she used that Nissan as like, you know, trade in value as her down payment, but Neither here nor there. I'm I'm really praying for our friend. I hope she did that. So anyway, um, I found a car loan calculator online, and I'm going to plug in the following numbers. So I'm going to say our loan amount was twenty five thousand dollars. 
our loan term, I'm just going to say the full 72 months so we can keep the payments low because she might have gone with a 72-month payment. Don't know. Um, and then I'm going to say her interest rate was, our friend's interest rate was 28%. All right. Now, when I plug in those numbers, it doesn't give me a monthly payment of $835. Um, it's a little higher, like $864. So I'm going to lower the loan amount to $29,000. And that gives us a monthly payment of $835.40. So we can guess that our friend probably got a loan for $29,000, right? Now, during it, once I plug all that into the calculator, during the 72 months or the six years that she's going to have this vehicle, um, she will pay $31,100. $48.59 in interest. I'm going to read those numbers back again. Plugging in those, the so her loan amount, we said it was $29,000. Her loan term is 72 months and her interest rate is 28%. Now, this is our friend, right? Plugging in those numbers, over the course of six years, she will pay over $31,000 in interest. That's just the interest. I'm not talking about the principle of her loan, right? Now, over the course of her six years, overall, she is going to pay $60,148.59 for a car that averages at $22,100. So I'm going to cut all the extra numbers out. My, our friend, my girl is going to pay over $60,000 for a car that averages at $22,000. Can someone please pass me a shot of tequila? Because I'm not understanding. Like these numbers are so high to me. I, I can't even fathom this. And what's crazy is I have already known about this topic and it, it still shocks me. Every time I think about it, it still shocks me. So we're, we're gonna, we're gonna keep it moving. We're gonna keep it moving. If, if y'all are just as shocked as I am, please comment and let me know your first thoughts on this because it, it, it gets worse. It gets worse. So I'm going to keep all those numbers the same, right? But I'm going to plug in the interest rate that I have for my car, which was 4.5%. Y'all, plugging in that 4.5% using same numbers, my monthly payment for that same vehicle, and this is all hypothetical, my monthly payment would be $460.35 compared to our friend's monthly payment of $835. That's almost half of our friend's monthly payment. That's almost half of, the, I, okay, sorry, I'm getting distracted again. Now, over the course of the six years, with my 4.5%, I would only pay a little over $4,000 in interest compared to our friend who's paying over $31,000 in interest or who's paying about $31,000 in interest. So overall, with my 4.5% interest, I would spend a little over $33,000 on this loan for the same amount of time that our friend would have it and she would pay over $60,000. So she's essentially paying like thirty grand more than me, right? That is a lot of money. That is a lot of money. So the first tool that we're going to talk about is financial literacy. But now that we've read our research article by Faulkner, 
I I really want to call it financial capability, especially in this situation, because this is a prime example of why we need to be capable of impacting our own financial situation in a positive way. So let's break this down. First, I'm going to start by saying there is nothing wrong with wanting an Audi or buying an Audi. I have no problem with that. That is the least of my worries. Honestly, don't care if somebody rolled up in a Ferrari. Does not matter to me, right? What matters is how, like, how is that decision impacting our finances? So there's nothing wrong with her wanting an Audi or buying an Audi. The first question is, can we afford it though? And this goes back to season two when we discuss affordability. Remember, yes, I have the money to afford this, but will affording this thing negatively affect my financial goals? And this is often a concept that people just completely skip over because they probably have not created any financial goals or they haven't figured out what their financial goals require of them. So now we have all of our numbers out there, right? The numbers have blown our mind. Our car salesperson also tweeted this, quote, What's so funny is the girl makes very good money and the better option I suggested to her, she turned her nose up at. So obviously this lady makes, quote, good money and can afford this payment money wise. But there is no doubt in my mind that this is going to negatively affect her financial goals moving forward because she is just honestly, she is just setting money on fire with this interest rate. And she's 26. So even if she keeps this car For the full six years of her long term, she'll be 32. Like within the span of those six years, there will be major decisions that need to be made. And this this car is really going to affect that. So in this scenario, it's also very likely that our friend is not familiar with interest rates, because if I hear an interest rate for a vehicle over six percent, I am shooketh. Now, I recognize that some people do have like a 10 percent. 11%, but I'm still shooken. Not quite as a 28%, but you know, it just, it makes me think of a number of different things. So when our friend even heard the car salesperson say twin, twin, any, like the letter T, unless it was two, my girl should have slid right back into her Nissan and, and just left because this is in fact highway robbery and just predatory all around. Don't care how we slice it. This high of an interest rate also signals to me that our friend's credit score and or credit history may not be that high either. So this may not have been the best time for her to purchase the vehicle. I honestly would have recommended that she boost her credit score and history in order to benefit from a lower interest rate. Our friend also may not have known that she could shop around for a company that was offering a better interest rate, which we can do for cars and houses. Just so y'all know, shop around for better interest rates. And this scenario also brings up the debt payment flag for me. I should say debt management. With the lower interest rate, right, with with the 4.5% lower interest rate that I would have had, I would have been paying about $375 less than our friend every single month. Now, if one of our goals is to pay down debt, then I would implement target practice. And for my new people, target practice is a BGB term. It's when you target a specific debt and you use all of your efforts toward paying that debt off and this gives you practice and motivation to pay down other debts that you have while you're on your debt-free journey. Now with this extra $375 a month, I could use that in, in my part of this scenario, I could use that to pay off the car earlier. 
So I bust out a payoff calculator on Google. There are so many calculators on Google, y'all. <laughs> so I use a payoff calculator in Google, and the extra payments of three seventy-five a month that I would have sent would have actually brought down the time that we would have had this loan by three years. So the loan would have gone from six years to three years. We're literally cutting it in half. And it would have saved us another $2,000 in interest when we were already only paying $4,000 in interest because we had such a low interest rate, right? Now, let's say the car payment wasn't a big deal to us and wasn't really affecting our credit score, our credit history, our debt to income ratio. Like we're cool with, with having this car debt, no big deal. We also could have invested that $375 a month. And again, using an investment calculator, if we started off with $0 invested and every month we put in $375 a month for six years and we only got a 6% return, we would still have over $32,000. And $27,000 of that would have come directly from that $375 monthly payment. And the 5000 would have been interest, right? Not to mention, if we had a, a return rate of 10%, we would have had over $36,000, right? So we would have had a car and we would have had some investments happening at the same time. Financial literacy and financial capability are foundational tools that we need to use on a daily basis to determine how our financial decisions can affect us in the long run. Just from this one scenario, we've discussed investing, debt management, affordability, interest rates, credit scores, credit history, debt to income ratios, and don't even get me started on how this affects the budget. Sometimes we think financial literacy is this overly complicated and dry topic, but our own financial literacy and capability affects us every day. It's especially when it comes to big purchases. Now, I do have to read the second half of that second tweet from our car salesperson because it brings up two additional things that I want to talk about. So in the second half of that tweet, she says, quote, all y'all MFs with capes for her in my mentions mad at me. Meanwhile, she'd call y'all poor to your face. Insert laugh emoji, end quote. So this made me think of two additional components when it comes to financial literacy. Number one, just because someone else is not aware of how their financial decisions will negatively affect them, and they may even consider financially conscious people to be, quote, poor, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to educate them, right? It doesn't mean that we just look the other way because, honestly, most people with that, you're poor because you don't drive or wear your money, are really just young, like they're just young. They typically tend to grow out of it from my experience and working with other people. So if you have a younger friend, sibling, coworker, partner, etc., keep working with them and giving out that good old black girl budget advice and they'll come around. And eventually some of that information will sink in. Even when we think they're not listening, they're listening. I, there was so much stuff my parents said to me um, as a kid. And like I adhere to all of it. I, I necessarily tell them that all the time, but you know, like I, I definitely took in what they said, but in the moment I might not have been writing it down, you know, on a pen with paper or whatever, um, writing it down on paper with pen, but, but I was definitely listening. And the more they said it, the more it stuck with me and it made me realize how important it was. 
Um, so if you if you know someone who is younger or maybe just immature when it comes to money, keep teaching them these different things. I, I feel like when you as an individual are financially literate and or financially capable, there is, you know, some room for us to also share that wisdom and information. And honestly, I think we should make it a priority, right? We shouldn't gatekeep information that could really help out family and friends. And we can give that information to people for the free. So please keep that in mind. Just because someone is not aware of their own, you know, financial decisions that may negatively affect them doesn't mean that we should just throw our hands up and be like, mm, all right, well, I'm going to just let you sink because you're obviously not going to swim. Keep working with them, right? And and to the extent that they're not being disrespectful to you for providing free, helpful advice, keep working. It'll sink in. They'll come around. Now, the second part that that tweet brought up is um, it really has to do with being financially literate and capable and finding yourself in a position of power, right? So just because um, just because someone is not financially literate or capable does not mean that we should take advantage of them or profit off of them. If you're really about helping people, you will set boundaries for yourself, right? So yeah, people will make decisions all the time that you don't agree with. I, I have worked with clients and I'm like, hey, after you pay off this credit card or after you pay off your car, don't go buy another car. And they go buy another car anyway. I, I can't personally stop them from doing it, but you know, I can counsel them and advise them and let them know if you do buy a car, here's what you should, you know, the parameters that you should stay within. But I'm not just going to say, well, you bought the car or you want to buy a car, so I'm not going to help you whatsoever, right? Like you need to set boundaries for yourself. And I feel like the person who tweeted this, they didn't really have, I want to call it like a moral boundary because... (laughs) I honestly would not have been able to sell our friend that car at such a high interest rate. I like I would not have been able to sleep at night, especially if I'm a person who says I try to tell other people. I try to help other people at 28 percent interest. That is just predatory. There's no way around it. And I, I understand that she's a car salesperson. She's doing her job. She's, you know, trying to run her business or working with other people running the business. But I would have had to either. Tell the boss or make an executive decision, ma'am, I cannot sell you this car because it's just a bad deal. It's a bad deal. Not to mention, we haven't even talked about the maintenance on vehicles, let alone the maintenance on that specific kind of vehicle. So the other thing is sometimes we're, you know, financially literate and capable and we find ourselves in a position of power, meaning we know more about a situation therefore we can kind of affect a situation um, to the detriment of others and I think that's what the car salesperson did in this case like she recognized that 28 percent was a high interest rate she recognized that 800 plus dollars a month was a high payment and she sold the car anyway and profited off of that Um, obviously we could always use more details and I am speculating quite a bit but the way that she tweeted out this information, it also comes off as a dig to this woman who got the really, really bad end of this deal. Um, and, and we've seen this in other tweets, right, where people are coming on the Internet to tell us how a situation played out. And it's almost like they're boasting or bragging about it um, or they're trying to 
belittle the other person on the the end of that situation and thinking that they're going to come to the internet and belittle that person and then the internet just drags them they're like we don't agree with this that was stupid why did you do that so so in in being financially literate and capable we also have to remember that that we shouldn't take advantage or profit off of people who don't know as much as us and we should always use the information that we have to help other people who may not even recognize that they're in a bad situation or that they're going to end up in a bad deal. So just remember, your first line of defense when it comes to your finances is being financially capable. I really love this phrase, is being financially capable so you can keep your money out of other people's pockets. That's what's really important here. In this whole scenario, when you see the difference between my monthly payment at 4.5% and our friend's monthly payment at her 28%, you see a difference of almost $400, right? You see a difference of not being able to invest, not being able to pay the car off sooner, and just essentially losing so much money to this loan company. So our first line of defense, our first tool in season three of the podcast is really just understanding a lot of concepts that are going to play into how we make decisions surrounding our finances, how we buy houses, how we buy cars, um, how we pay for maintenance, how we pay for daycare, you know, how we travel. like all of these decisions are really going to affect our future goals um, and what we want to do. And honestly, I want us to keep as much money in our own pockets and out of other people's pockets because these corporations are making bank off of us. I just, you know, I'm not going to get into it, but I was on TikTok the other day and there's like a new corporate scam going on. We'll probably jump into that in another episode. But the goal is to really understand how you're moving about in your daily life so that you can really keep your money with you and invest it or pay off debt or save it, whichever option is is the best one for you right now. But that's going to be the most important thing is really understanding how financial concepts will play out in your daily life. So thank you all so much for joining me on the Black Girl Budget Podcast starting off season three. I can't wait to see what other tools we talk about. Hey, good people. Remember to check out the Budgeting Basics e-guide on the Black Girl Budget website and use code TOOL, T-O-O-L, for a special discount. We'll see you next week on episode two of season three.